and gentlemen, may I have your attention, please? Welcome to the Rush Soccer Club Development Series. I'm your host, Nick Penn, Executive Director of Rush Soccer. We'll be focusing on specific areas of club development within the Rush. The goal is to use Rush leaders from across the US to help share ideas and advice on best practices of the Rush way. Let's get into it. You're listening to the Rush Soccer Club Development Series with your host, Nick Penn, the Executive Director of Rush Soccer, exclusively on the Rush Podcast. Welcome to this edition of the Rush Club Development Series, and I'm your host, Nick Penn. This afternoon, we'll be discussing revenue management for Rush Clubs, where I'm joined by Arian Hoxer of Hawaii Rush, Michael Cockcroft of Chicago Rush, and Richie Gray of Florida Rush. We hope that at the conclusion of our discussion, you can come away with some thoughts and ideas on how to continue to move your club forward financially. Well, thanks for joining us, Richie, Michael, and Arian. Uh, this is the podcast on the club development series, and we're going to talk about revenue management. So uh, we'll get right into it here. We just have some questions to ask, and you can give us your insight and thoughts. Uh, we'll share it with everybody else. So um, the first thing we'll start with, let's start with you, Richie. Um, what internal control policies do you think are the most important for your club? So for us, <clears throat> for sure, I mean, there's a on the financial side of it, the online banking and our registration platform are probably our two most integral components of the of the club for us. So on the on the banking side of things, you know, we do everything pretty much electronically these days. We've got two people that sign on the account. I've got a board member and myself that are on the account. We have limits as far as um, for us, any checks over $5,000, we require two signatures on it. And then, but a lot of our internal controls are, are honestly tied to technology. So we, you know, in the online banking, we pretty much write all of our checks out of online banking. And then we have quick, we use QuickBooks Online. So QuickBooks Online is connected directly to our banking system and all of our credit cards that we have out there. And then we have a, um, an independent CPA that works for the club. So we meet with her, I meet with her on a monthly basis. And we go through the the monthly reconciliation. And then typically what we do is we've got a statement of activity that we go through and look at the programs. And then we try to look at our um, financial position, <clears throat> our financial position on a monthly basis. So for the, for the most part, you know, the registration system that we use got soccer, everything in it has um, like a log activity that goes into it. So our registrar, Jackie and Christina in the recreational program really are the only two that have access to the financial side of things outside of myself and um, one of the board members. So, you know, with that, with that particular system, anytime somebody comes into it and they make any kind of adjustments to it, it'll timestamp it. So we know what's going on with it. And, and then it's set up on a hierarchy. So, all of the um, staff and DOCs and coaches that have access to it, there's a hierarchy established. So none of them have access to the financial side of it. <clears throat> and for the most part, you know, the majority of our payments, um, uh, uh, we've got a, a few of us have credit cards that we use. So we really, you know, 97% of the transactions that come in to our club are all electronic. So everything is is pretty much, you know, coming in and automatically 
drafting and depositing into accounts and then we're you know going through it administratively and just verifying you know all the numbers and everything so awesome that is just good information so now michael you're slightly different because you're for profit and you have a bunch of different branches do you have things that you are using to keep all your branches in tech, in, in tech and... um, you know echoing a lot of what richie had said um you know i'm pretty on it every single day and that's the the registration system that we use thankfully all of our um, five clubs all operate using the same system um it's slightly set up differently because um, of the five clubs three have separate budgets um but uh two years ago i brought on a full-time finance director um and and she basically is is kept things streamlined. Um, she'll send bi-weekly reconciliations. Um, so that just keeps everybody up to date with, um, you know, where the budget is and, and what the spending looks like. Um, but as, as Richie pointed out, our registration system, um, along with QuickBooks, QuickBooks is a, a critical part, I think, for all of our clubs, um, just to make sure that, you know, we're, we're invoicing properly, we're recording um, all the information, um, whether it's, you know, ingoing and outgoings, um, it, it's a critical aspect to it. And, and then, um, you know, each club has slightly different payroll set up, uh, but we also have an external payroll company, um, PrimePay, um, which, which helps both our independent contractors and our full-time guys. Um, and then that links with um, our QuickBooks, um, which then in turn is linked with our um, registration process. So, you know, it's similar from that sense, but um, but a, a really critical part of managing our budgets and making sure that we've got data that we can use for down the line. Awesome. And actually, uh, Aaron, let's move on to you. And that sort of flows into the next question here. Like in Hawaii, Rush, do you have a budget history? And do you, how do you use that to... Uh, uh, talk about your future programming. Believe it or not, um, and, um, we use that platform every year because it makes to uh, not create a brand new budget every year, but rather rely a little bit on the history of what you've done in the years past. It's almost like a, a common sense approach from anyone. Imagine if we did not use that budget history every time we make the new budget. Um, we, we start about four months in advance before we have to submit the budget for the next year. And uh, pretty much we go item by item and uh, kind of compare and uh, either edit or add any of the items on there, depending on what we um, experienced the previous year. And, and basically that's the, the main key of it to try to adjust because uh, one year you might have um, some expenses on your, maybe some harder for the office computers or something like that. But that's an item that within the next five years, you probably will not even touch. So you adjust that accordingly every year, depending on what your needs might be. So you, you always try to uh, uh, plan ahead. You know that one of your equipments might be up for update all um, the uh, registration, the kids registration, it's an important thing because that's the most volatile, um, item sometimes. Uh, I mean, what I mean by volatile, it could move up to 40, 50 kids at a time. And for a club, uh, anything from 500 to 800 kids, you get, you get something like that close to 10%, uh, volatility 
some of it is just natural. Some of it could be based on whatever the clubs have, are, are set, uh, however they are set, because all the kids that they're going at the, the back end, they're leaving at the back end, they're high dollar kind of money that's going away. And all the new kids that they're coming on the lower end, they're obviously not um, paying the same. And the, what I mean to clarify is that it's maybe on the, on the back end, but they're, uh, the price they're paying is the uh, price of the younger kids or the uh, developmental kind of uh, area. So some of those things are super important to look at the, the history and kind of get a good uh, estimated uh, and a good, you know, educated assumption what your budget will look like and um, just to make sure that there's not too much of a, discrepancy or too much of a difference that way you don't need to uh, worry about staying on budget and getting it done for the rest of the year very good awesome uh richie do you have a do you have a system or do you just go through electronically and through your quickbooks your history yeah you know similar to to what aria said we we do the same thing we really um look at last year's budget um, pull it directly out of QuickBooks and then go through and fine tune it based on the changes, <clears throat> you know, and, and similar to, to what Arian was saying, you know, we're looking at the young kids that are coming into the, the programs <clears throat> at the young, you know, eight, nine, 10 year olds that are coming into our academy. And then we try to, you know, incorporate for the graduating seniors that are going out of it. And we do have, you know, inside of there are, um, inside of the QuickBooks, we have it set up, our activities we set up by classes. So from management to fundraising to um, programs, we're able to kind of go through each one of them independently and adjust based on, you know, the number of players that we're projecting coming in and out or any, you know, unforeseen expenses that we need coming up during the year. And then, you know, that, that pretty much we get pretty close on it. So unless there's unexpected things, it, it works pretty good for us. Excellent. I know on the SBI side, we do the same thing. Um, all right. So moving on, uh, Michael, let's uh, go with you on this one. So uh, after you have your budget for the year, do you put a percentage of it away for uh, maybe a rainy day or anything specific? <laughs> um, unfortunately, no. Uh, we, we operate a balanced budget. Um, and any surplus that we do have at the end of, of each year, um, we'll just incorporate that into programming next year. So whether that be an extra tournament, an extra training session a, a week, skills sessions, summer camps, um, you know, unfortunately, it, it, we we try to run it as a balanced budget each each year, and for the most part, it's it's pretty close to it. Um, there's sometimes unexpected expenses throughout the year. Um, so so if anything, we we over budget. Um, and be conservative on, on certain items. So, you know, with the, the increase of tournaments, it may be a budget of $1,000 a tournament, knowing that some are more and some are less. Um, but for the most part, it's, um, it's pretty balanced by the end of each, each year um, and, and, and try to operate in that sense. We, we did start a, um, a foundation last year, um, which was a, a non-for-profit profit, Chicago Rush Foundation, um, which... It is probably geared more towards um, scholarships and how we can give money back. Um, so, so there's 
there's an element of fundraising there, but um, with our, our regular budget, it's it's pretty balanced um, each uh, fiscal year, which for us is July 1st through to June 31st. Hmm, very interesting. Um, what about in Hawaii, Arian? Do you have a rainy day fund or uh, something you're working towards? We actually do. Um, we, we've, uh, for the first seven years that I came here, uh, we were operating on the red, to be quite honest. And so we had to borrow all the time for the next year's, from the next year's um, budget. But uh, the last, uh, the last seven years has been really good. And actually, um, we, we finally found the, the balance and, you know, using the experience, the previous experience, we, we've been able to actually operate on the black for quite a bit and then um, due to some developments like some revenue generating programs that came online and then obviously uh, some sponsors that came and, and um, started to contribute um, we nowadays are able to put some money away it's not significant but it's good enough to say that you have some money in the bank uh, for in case something happens you know very good yeah absolutely Okay, well, let's uh, move on. A couple more questions here. So, uh, Richie, uh, do you have a, a scholarship program or, or do you have programs that raise money for uh, to help offset some of the costs, whether it's for um, kids that can't afford it or other items? Yeah, actually, we do. And, you know, we, we have uh, quite a few families. I mean, on an average, I think something year, wrong with Richie's microphone. Uh-oh. Can you hear me? Uh, I, I can hear him okay. So, um, you're good, Richie. Okay. Yeah, so we, we, we do, we, um, you know, we help out a lot of families in the club. So I think this year we have, I want to say 107 families that applied for financial assistance. So we do have a, a process of application process that families um, can fill out and they can seek financial assistance. <clears throat> we, we um, you know, we review each case on a case by case scenario and we, we help all of those families. We don't give anybody a hundred percent fully funded program. There's a few, like a handful that for extenuating circumstances, we've, we've made exceptions, for, but for the most part, you know, families that apply for financial assistance, we offer them anywhere from 25 to 75%. So, um, and, and the way that we fund it is we, that's what we started our, our tournaments for was really geared towards raising money for families with financial assistance. And so we, you know, we earmarked that money towards it. And then we also, um, we have a really good relationship with Disney that as long as I've been here for 12 years, you know, we manage at each of their events, we do scorekeepers and they provide us a, um, you know, a, a stipend basically to, to man the hours out there. And, and then what we do is we, for families that come out and volunteer, we provide them rush dollars. So we credit it back against their accounts and, and we pretty much manage that throughout the year. So, you know, it's worked really well for us. We, we've tried it a few different ways. And, and uh, the one thing that I like about, they help out, you know, we, we provide, you know, they, if they apply for financial assistance, they commit to providing um, a certain number of hours of service towards the club. So we use our tournaments to be able to provide them hours. We use our relationship with Disney. We have our tournaments that help offset it. And, you know, ultimately, I think the families feel like they're invested in the club. 
and they're really grateful for for the help you know that we're able to give them and then for us we're we're able to you know we've been really lucky we've never had to turn a player away for any kind of financial reason so we've always found a way to be able to you know to help the players that are in need and you know it's it's an important part of the program for us so it's good it allows us to you know every kid that wants to play soccer you know we we can help them out so that's awesome uh what about you, Mike? We're in uh, Chicago. How's your scholarship program? Running? Yeah, we so for the last uh, three or four years, we've we've operated it as a line item in our in our working budget to our club. Now, obviously, as a as a S corp, um, you know that's a significant amount of money that that we're putting aside towards um, scholarships. I think last year we we spent about thirty thousand dollars across our clubs on on offering partial scholarships. Same as Richie in Florida, we we don't offer anything full. Um, and the application process is, is basically those those who reach out. And it, it's rare that we'll get families who will specifically ask for money. They'll, they'll maybe re- refer to it as, hey, we can't afford to play this year. And then, like with Richie, it's a, a case-by-case basis that we'll we'll try and uh, negotiate what fee would work with them. Um, it's, it's typically a, a reduction, not full amount. And then we can set up a, a longer-term payment plan. So this this year was was the kind of the birth of the the foundation, um, a specific non for profit, um, where we we now actually run events throughout the year. Um, we did a, a golf event, um, we did something called Single, which was a club um, uh, music bingo, uh, which r- which raised funds, and all of those funds go back into the foundation, and now our rush clubs across Chicagoland can apply through the foundation. So if we've got a kid who's you know needing financial support down in one of our other um, locations, or we're looking to maybe give some type of um, scholarship for uh, for players who have been committed to our club for the for the time there and, and the seniors and graduating, um, we'll, we'll try and send something that way. Um, so so now it helps um, offset the line items um, in our working budget with some of the um, charitable events we can do throughout the year. So so far it's it's been successful. Um, it's easier to ask and, and raise money through a non-for-profit than trying to do any fundraising through a, a for-profit. So we had to be a little bit careful in how we kind of promoted this. Um, and, you know, the, the initial feedback's been great and, uh, and the money that we've raised so far is, uh, is going to go straight back into the club. Also will help offset, you know, some of our funder programs, um, you know, reach um, the reach program if we've got any shipping that we need to send stuff out we can take it out of that foundation um and i think longer term we'd even like to offer it for you know reductions in the rush fest or um some of our elite players making the the national rush select teams um so there's some compensation to all those guys as well but um initially this is just aimed towards uh, those families who you know are seeking financial support that's awesome. I, I'm sure the handful of uh, for-profit clubs are going to take something from that. That's a good job. All right, let's go with all three of you for this last one, and we'll start with you, Ari. Um, local sponsors, do you? Uh, actually, I know you have a pretty good one. So talk to us about any sponsors you've got or how you go about uh, grabbing them. Uh, to be quite honest, um, it, it started um, and mainly because um, I, I was more um, – in, in tune with the culture of the game and, you know, how to get the game a little more so it's part of the community and all that. And so, it, it for me, it wasn't as much for them. It was 
as to how can I co-brand my club with something and then maybe I can turn some heads and pe people to say, wow, that's, that's pretty good. So um, I was always looking to find a local company that would be interested and it would be um, something to, to plug into my project, to be quite honest. And luckily, um, I was playing with a gentleman at the time, um, old man football, and he just happened to be the owner of the uh, one of the biggest construction companies in, in Hawaii. And so after talking to him, um, I explained to him my idea of uh, co-branding with someone like his company and making it more of a community kind of outreach and all that. And uh, not as much as uh, it was for the money. And believe it or not, he, he said that that's why he would like to sponsor us, not because of the money, but because of the attempt to kind of reach out to people and, and make it so it's a something a community-based kind of a co cooperation and there everything rolled rolled through and uh, he he uh, gives us a, a very big chunk of money he gives us about 35,000 a year and all we do is put uh, his uh, brand his company name on the back of our jersey on top of the number um, he also gives us a $10,000 cash towards um, um, scholarships, um, which, as the two gentlemen before me said, uh, we, we give out, this year we gave out about 27000 to kids. And for a club our size, that's pretty significant because our fees are not that high. So it's a, a, big, a big amount of money that we give away, and he is a, a big uh, proponent of that. Um, so... The, the sponsor helps quite a bit. Actually, he's been key on us saving some money recently. So um, it, it's, it's uh, not a, a, a set science, to be quite honest, because um, every, every club could have different circumstances. Uh, but again, if I had to choose a couple of industries where could be related and, and could uh, help everybody kind of start somewhere, it would be maybe a health center, maybe a bank that you do business with, uh, anybody associated with a club, maybe a professional, maybe a company that it's owned by someone that the kids are in the club. Um, unfortunately, that's the nature of the beast right now all around the country that uh, there is no, no sponsors out there that flat out are looking to just jump on a club and, and sponsor them. It's all based on relationships and it's all based on who you know. And then also your ability to explain what do you do for the community and how you do it and <clears throat> your impact on the kids. Awesome. Uh, that's good. I know you uh, have a good one there. Uh, Richie, I know you've got um, some programming you've done recently with small local businesses. Um, how's those relationships building and how'd you go about that? Yeah, you know, on the, on the local level, I mean, honestly, the, the, the businesses in the area are an opportunity for us, I think, going into next year. Because if I'm being honest, we haven't put a lot of energy into trying to acquire local sponsors over the years. You know, we did just <clears throat> we did just recently, you know, we've been meeting during this COVID-19. You know, we meet every day and we're talking, you know, ideas and things that we can do to engage our membership and you know, how can we use our platform to, to support, you know, all the people in our club. And we recently, you know, following the motto of American Express, you know, stay home and shop small, 
we just um, created a Google form and sent it out to our membership. You know, we have about 4,500 kids in our um, Instagram, Facebook, social media platform that we use. And we just solicited it to them and said, hey, we want to be part of the solution. We want to help the members in our club. If you own a small business, you know, would you um, like us to promote your small business? So we actually just put it out recently and we have 15, you know, we had 15 um, family members of the club that filled out the Google form and sent us in the information. You know, we're in the process of, of doing small business Saturdays where we're going to promote and, you know, try to get the word out on, on those local businesses. And then going into next year with all the uncertainty right now and what's going on for sure, we see um, partnering with the local businesses as an opportunity that, you know, we can, you know, we plan to, to put more energy into it. But so far we've, you know, the sponsorships that we've had have been more on a national level and more linked to our events than specifically in the community itself. So we're working towards that. Oh, that's awesome. And uh, yeah, the, to get that buy-in of the local community is, uh, is really important, like you both said. Uh, Michael, let's uh, end it with you then. So, any sponsorship? Yeah, yeah no, I love that idea, Richie. I think I think I might steal that from you. That's that's a great idea. We we um we uh, we inherited when we when we first started up as as Rush. We inherited a, a sponsor that's um, been pretty loyal and faithful to one of our clubs. Um, kind of to what Arian's point was, it, it is in the health sector. It was a, an orthodontist locally. Um, they put their um, logo on the back of our training shirts and provide all our training shirts for our players. So that saves the families, you know, that little bit extra, you know, of, of buying uniforms. Um, and really, it, it probably pays for itself with two or three kids going to the orthodontist. And I think every kid in our club goes to this specific orthodontist. So um, each club operates slightly differently where they try to manage their own sponsors um, and, and keep it locally with, it, with just having a, a 60 mile radius um, it wouldn't make sense every t-shirt in across Chicago Rush having that orthodontist because it's specific to that community so each club's kind of gone out and found them themselves some have been successful, some haven't we probably had the most success recently you know, like I mentioned before on our foundation um, where it's definitely easier to um, illicit sponsorship if you go in as a non-for-profit um, and, and especially with um, the target market we've got you know 1500 kids um, you know how active we are on, on social media as well um, you probably saw recently for those that follow Chicago Rush we had a, a dumpster company of a, of a parent um, in these times you know we put it out to, to all of our members and you know a couple of families picked up on renting a dumpster and definitely go to piggyback of Richie's idea there and see other small businesses and see if we can kind of make it grow. Very good. Awesome. Uh, well, thanks so much for your time, fellas. I know uh, that that's some valuable information that hopefully others can share and take from it. Um, so we'll let you guys go and uh, appreciate your time. Thanks for listening to the Rush Soccer Club Development Series. I was your host, Nick Penn, Executive Director of Rush Soccer. Be sure to like and follow our page to stay updated on all our latest podcasts. If you have something specific you would like to be covered in this series, please feel free to reach out. We hope you enjoyed this episode and we look forward to sharing more thoughts and advice next time. You're listening to the Rush Soccer Club Development Series with your host Nick Penn, the Executive Director of Rush Soccer, exclusively on the Rush Podcast Network.